0: You're listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast brought to you by Nottinghamshire Live. Hello and welcome to Garibaldi Red, the Nottingham Forest podcast from Nottinghamshire Live. We are here to dissect Derby One, Forest One, give our thoughts on the game and whether Forest should be disappointed, relieved, or whatever their emotions should be after that game against their arch rivals. Uh, joined today by two returning Forest fans, in Michael Temple and Mikey Clark. Temps, good evening. are You well? Even Matt, yeah, really good. Thanks. A little bit bitter after watching that, but can't complain. And Mikey, are you well or bitter or <laughs> anguished? How are you? I'm uh,
1: still digesting some of it, to be honest with you. But now I'm all right, Matt.
0: Are you okay? Yes, not yeah. too bad, not too bad. Let's digest then away. Um, <laughs> overall thoughts, temps, were you... A fair result, or are you leaving disappointed?
2: I'm leaving disappointed. I think Kazim Richards handballed that in the, in the touch prior to last year. Great finish has to be said. Um, I think we need to take these half chances. It, there's been some instances tonight where... We've created three or four half chances, Um, the header from Kravinovic, header from knockout, and we need to stick them away. I think trying to win games when you're struggling to score more than one goal in a game is always going to be a challenge. So um, I think we grew into the game. Derby arguably uh, had us under the cosh a bit last 20 minutes. But on the balance of play, I think we were worthy of three points and disappointed we were
0: walking away with one. Mikey, how do you feel about it? Yeah,
1: summed up nicely by Tempster, to be honest. I think um, I'm not going to be hypocritical. Before the game, I was asked whether I'd take a point, and I said, yeah. So a point is what we got, so I guess that's good. I think the way the game panned out, I'm a little bit frustrated with how it ended. I think second half particularly, we were very, very good. We were managing the game really well. Um and then I think whether it's uh, mentality or whether it's nervousness or I think Temp's made a very good point about if we don't score more than one goal, um, it's very, very difficult to then hold on to a lead. And I think, and I'm sure we'll come on to it in a bit, Matt, that the substitutions near the end were a little bit baffling, if I'm honest. But overall, I'm not too disappointed. Um, points a decent result. Um, it keeps the good runner form up and I guess we move on to another big
0: game at the weekend I think it's Luton isn't it so that, that's a good chance to get all three points there yeah i mean yeah. we were going to the subs um, and I must admit I'm a bit disappointed myself I mean I, I covered the Swansea game and left that feeling very positive that they'd gone toe to toe the top side but I didn't think derby were a top side I thought they showed them you know way too much respect um but we'll come on to that. i mean a, a lot of comments about this luke freeman here um, and people not happy with his performance. Were you? What did you make of the starting eleven, Mikey? I mean, were you surprised Freeman played, and what did you make of his performance? Wasn't necessarily surprised
1: that that, that Chris started him. I think me personally, and I, I think a lot of Forest fans probably wouldn't. I think now Amiobi's been back in training. Lolly's been chomping at the bit. Uh, Myton, who got the start the other week, scored a goal, and then obviously was rested for the. Uh, rather, room game because of the type of game we thought it might be. Um, I would have been really tempted t- to bring one of those guys in rather than revert back to Freeman. But I guess Chris has probably looked at it and thought, do you know what, when he's coming he's done okay, we've looked solid. And I guess with 15 minutes to go, you could say it's worked. But I guess, you know, start looking at the team. Um, yeah, I was a little bit, not perplexed, but I-, I thought maybe it could have been a little bit more um, braver, I think is the word, in, in his choice of uh, in his choice of starting line But I guess that moves me on to the subs, but I will hold fire with that. that, <laughs> that
0: temp, <doesn't> <laughs> <it>? <laughs> what did you make of the starting eleven attempts? With no Ryan Yates, the midfield kind of picked itself. So were you pretty comfortable with what Houston went with?
2: I'm a big Joe Oli fan. I want to see him get more of a chance, more of a run. I think he's the one that uh, isn't getting the minutes that he perhaps deserves. Freeman's easy to uh, point at because He's not producing at the minute. You're looking for goals and assists from that position and he's not really providing them. I think Joe Lolly undoubtedly had that downturn in form, but persisting with him will bring the best out of him. He's at a stage of his career now where he's going to be consistent if he's backed, if he knows he's in that side and if he's got that licence to make mistakes. Because as soon as Joe Lolly plays without fear, he cuts inside and lashes it into the top corner. Central midfield, I think, is where Hooton's made real strides forward in recent weeks. So it's a bit tougher for Yates to get on that side now. And he's probably the most complete box-to-box midfielder we have. And quite clearly, Hooton wants to give uh, prominence to those guys that he's signed. I think that's a really encouraging thing. But he's been able to bring those players in very much his players. Uh, Murray, Kravinovic, Garner, Knockharts, clearly somebody rates extremely highly. And he's determined to play those guys where he can. But that Freeman position will come under increasing pressure from Amy Obian Lolly, unless he can up his production.
0: Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think he's become a bit of a target. And I don't think he's that bad, but he isn't producing what you'd expect a player of his um, CV, perhaps. Uh, the first half, I was not bitterly disappointed. I was quite disappointed in the way Forrest went about the game. I could understand you give their centre halves the ball because they're not going to hurt you, but. Were Forrest way too passive when Bird got the ball and Knight got the ball temp? Should they have got about their midfield a lot more until Forrest went ahead? Yeah, it didn't look like being a great
2: game, did it, in that first 30 minutes when Derby tried to spoil it and we sat off. I think it's extremely frustrating. It was a really good point made in commentary that you can't play a high press when your lone strike is 37 and perhaps has to conserve a bit of energy and, and come alive when the, the ball's around him. So, yeah, really disappointing. But given the personnel we have available to us in this, this 4-5-1 slash 4-2-3-1 system, it's hard to have that high press. So what does Hewton want to do? He wants to settle into games. He wants to earn the right to play. He wants to establish solidity defensively, which he's undoubtedly done over the last few weeks. But yeah, I, I do sit there being frustrated sometimes, uh, wishing we'd attack a bit
0: more, a bit sooner. What did you make of the first half, Mikey? And certainly until I yeah. went ahead.
1: Yeah, yeah, but very. It's hard to disagree with what Temps are saying. I think one of the things I was I was uh, concerned about before the game was Darby's full-backs are pretty good. Um, Nathan Byrne, I think they got from Wigan, didn't they? Is he? He's the other one with yeah. Cannon. young riding bombs yeah. up the ground. So um, there was obviously a worry um, that if we sort of pressed higher or lost our shape at all, they would bomb on and get behind us. And I can understand that. But I think after sort of half an hour of the first half, it I don't know whether this is because, you know, there's obviously no crowd there, but it did feel a little bit sort of training ground, testimonially, a little bit. And um, I think we both used the words on social media, passive. And I think that's kind of what it what it felt like to me. Just both teams almost waiting for the other to make a mistake. Um, and as being the away team, yeah, I can, I can kind of understand that we just sort of sit in, wait for the one opportunity and... You know, thankfully we'll move on to that, but thankfully we got it and we got went one up. Um so I wasn't too um perturbed with how sort of the first half took shape. Weirdly enough we played really well in the second, and yet I'm more frustrated with the second half and how that went. Um which is which is strange. Maybe we can explore that in a minute, now.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, we will, we will. Um, oh, is it worth talking about the goal? I mean, what, was it, was it a, a really good strike by Garnett? Obviously, we're talking about a goal. That's a stupid point, but it was kind of a pretty obvious what happened. I mean, Marshall dived over it, didn't he? But any, any other, any, anything other to say about the goal attempts? No, he, he
2: can't believe that that went in. Um, he's he's fluffed it, he's caught the ground, it's bobbled, and the keeper should save that. I don't know if he was carrying that injury and in, he obviously had some kind of discomfort. Um, but yeah, he looks like uh, a Sunday morning keeper in his technique and the manner in which he he jumped over over that. Um, you've seen a couple of my free kicks on Twitter, Matt, against some um, stumpy little <laughs> yeah, fellas yeah, in time. in the Welsh Division Three. I think it was yeah. terrible keeping. Uh, gone, I can't believe his look.
0: I, I, I'm impressed. How this, this, this is probably the third time you've been on this, and you mentioned free kicks in the Welsh League every time. It's a that's a skill in itself. That's I'm
2: right
0: very impressed. Mikey, I said on Twitter at half time, and I said it on Twitter, so I'm going to stick to my guns. They should have bought Lolly on at half time and gone after Derby. Do you think uh, was I being a bit overly ambitious there? And actually, Houston got it right because Forrest were good in the second half and and did play it quite well, did play very well. Yeah, no, I can understand that that point of view, and I think um, I, I think
1: I, w- I probably would have changed it after sort of ten fifteen minutes that second half because we we started to take control of the game. Derby would push back at least 10 yards, they barely got out of their own half for about a 15 minute spell and we were having one or two half chances and I think that was the time to try and go for the kill don't have to fundamentally change your structure or your shape but bringing on somebody that can play that role on the left or the right, be it Lolly or Amiobi I think was the positive move to be, but Chris is a very pragmatic guy isn't he so maybe he wasn't (laughs) going to do that Um, so I think maybe half time was been a little bit optimistic, Matt, but I think as the second half progressed, there was definitely cause for discussion on whether we could have freshened it up in those wide
0: areas. Yeah, I mean, is it can we be critical of Hewton? Because Forrest played very well. They're playing very well. Uh, he's definitely doing a great job. So uh, uh, would we have a point in criticising Hewton for being too conservative tonight or not?
2: I don't criticise him. I would like to see him make more subs. I think you look at that bench and you look at the wealth and the depth of the Forest squad and you think one area of competitive advantage could be bringing on fresh quality in that kind of 60 to 70 minute mark rather than um, making a defensive sublate on or bringing Tyler Blackett on the left wing or, or trying to solidify. I think he's going to learn a lot more about this squad if he can try and be a bit more adventurous when it's required um, as we get towards that hour mark. And look, for, for me, I don't want to put a downer on things, but I think we are building a team to compete next season. I think he should be uh, experimenting with with that in mind. I think it's a long stretch to to get into that top six. And look, of course, he's going to set out to win every game. But maybe there should be a little bit more willingness to rotate, a little bit more willingness to make positive changes from the bench to take advantage of that wealth of wide players that we have at the club.
0: Mm. A Derby actually any good? I mean, I I thought they were really poor, but uh, am I I being harsh on Derby? Because they have been playing very well. What did you make of Derby, Mikey?
1: I was disappointed with them, to be honest, but in a
0: good way. Obviously, I didn't want them to be good. Um,
1: I thought they started okay, and I think they had those half chances, didn't they? But I think um, as the game wore on, they seemed just as nervous, if not more nervous. Um, And then when we took control of the game at 1-0, I... uh, I understood his substitutions around getting Gregory on, changing the shape. But even then, didn't feel too worried, to be honest. I I thought Derby were below par, um, which is why I was... uh, I couldn't really understand them bringing Tyler Blackett on, to be honest, because it wasn't as if they were bombarding us with crosses or having two-on-ones on on the wide areas where we needed to sort of tuck in and get that extra amount of far stick. Um, So in answer to your question, Matt, no, I didn't think they were very good, really. I thought it was a chess match. I thought
2: it's one that we should have, we should have
0: won comfortably.
2: Mm. I think. What, what do you Bobby Yeah, Yo, the, the the Joe Worrell quote, which we'll be waking up to tomorrow, was they're not Barcelona, are they? Yeah, and they they they're not. Um, I think they showed a, a lack of adventure. I think they were trying to spoil it. I think there were some quite niggly fouls in the game, um, and no, they weren't particularly impressive it would take a lot for me to fornicate over over any kind of uh, derby side map but but no they were there for the taking uh, and we didn't quite get away
0: who are the difference makers for you Temps, for Forest tonight who stood out?
2: look uh, kravinovich is the one for me that's made a, a, the biggest impact since coming into the side um, seems to have that willingness to work which is quite rare as a 10. Um, you'd like to see him carrying on those those runs into the box and maybe getting more shots off in ninety minutes, but for me he's uh, he's become a become a key player. Kafu's really surprised me. He's a completely different player to the one that I thought we'd um, signed when he when he first arrived in the, those first few games. He seems to have a bit of everything. Um, some of the his range of passing and some of the stuff he tries on the volley. And some of the two touchy plays is, um, is, is really quite impressive. And then there's a period in the, in the first half where Knockhart became early Ronaldo at Man U and seemed really keen to, to, draw, in the, to draw in the player, skip past them. He had the, the Megs and the Cruyff didn't he in quick succession. And he's, he's got that real quality. And if he can turn that into goals and assists, then he's an absolute weapon at this level. So yeah, I think a bit of a bit of an embarrassment of riches in in midfield. We really need to work out how best to play
0: it. Mm-hmm. I must admit, I didn't side Cafu off on the podcast, but I question whether he was any better than what what we already have. I think he's definitely won me over with his performance in midfield. I thought he was very good. Uh, who who stood out for you, Mikey? Yeah, very similar.
1: I thought Knockhart was was fantastic second half. He,
0: he, you know, some of his silky
1: touches were clearly. Um, more suited to probably a higher level than what we're playing at now. Um, I think Joe Warris said on in his interview afterwards, you know, that he was great, knock out and you can see why he's a Premier League player. Um, and I think that link-up with – I might get a bit stick for saying this, but I think the link-up with Christie down the right is taking shape. Um, you know, everybody was a little bit upset that the cash-lolly uh, link-up from last season has, was broken up. And I'm not saying these two can be anywhere near as sort of dynamic as that, but you did see today, and you have seen it in recent games, the, the early signs of a good understanding between those guys. So I think Knockout was good. Um, I think Cafu, like uh, Tem said, was, was excellent. Um, both centre-backs up until the last five minutes <laughs> were very good. Um, and I think all round it was it was a half-decent, solid team performance with obviously Knockout and, and maybe Joe warrell and Cafu standing out.
0: No, I thought, um, I think Christie's been alright. I think Christie right. deserved credit for good performances recently since that, certainly since the Swansea game where I don't think he was at his best. Um, did Knockhart's performance in a way sum up the fact that there were no fans there? Because I was saying to Mikey before we, we started, if Knockhart was playing like that against Forest, I'd want someone to absolutely smash him. And um, put him over the touchline into the stands, and maybe with fans on the in the in, in the ground, that would have happened. So, did the game miss fans a lot? Temps, do you think?
2: Yeah, of course it does. Of course it does. I mean that that game, the tension. Whenever we play derby, some of the cricket scores we've had in the past, some of the red cards, Nathan Tyson's behaviour, the huckabee harewood johnson game that you were talking about earlier. It's it, mm. it is what it is because of the because of the fans. None of those players grew up watching that game, apart from apart from Joe Worrell. Um, so 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 yeah, like football, sport in general is nothing without fans. I'm apart from the Forest games. I'm getting a bit of um, uh, boredom's the wrong word, but it, it's just like the Premier League's just a noise now. It's just going on all the time. It's I can't wait to get back in a football stadium, Matt. It's not the same watching on TV. And yes, that game will never be what it needs to be without there being a, a full house at the city ground or what Derby's
0: play. Yeah, I must admit, my interest in the Premier League has waned considerably, with partly through VAR as well. But yeah, I certainly hear what you're saying there. Um, with the Derby goal then, Mikey, I tempted you thought it was handball. I didn't. I thought it was Figueredo's error, but I wouldn't, wouldn't dig Figueredo out because he was excellent. Uh, what was your view of the Derby goal, Mikey? Yeah. Um, I didn't think it was handball until I saw the replay.
1: And I think he, he kicks it and it bounces up. So, you know, you just mentioned VAR, Matt. I think that gets ruled out in the Premier League, to be honest. But then again, um, I think Yates is does on Wednesday. So mm. it's, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it, really? So, you know what? If, and I think Joe said in his post-match interview, if somebody's going to smash it in from 20 yards, there's not really that much you can do about it. I think you can question the clearance from Figueiredo. But I think other than that, I think he was really good. He made some really good uh one-on-one clearances I think his positional sense was good he was winning set-piece headers he won a couple um which i which i was pleased with because they don't always get figs marking players sometimes he's a spare man which is always confusing as a centre-back mm-hmm. um so I, I, it's really hard and i don't want to nick pit nitpits because you can you can create any you can pinpoint any part of the match to suit the narrative that you're trying to say and i think that overall were really good. So I don't want to pick, pick you know, issues with some of our performance levels. But their goal, it's just one of them things, Matt. You know, I, I would rather smash it in from 20 yards than scramble from a corner in the last minute or free kick like it was last season. Because that, that annoyed me and a hell of a lot of Forest fans more because of the way we sort of gave that away. This was a half mistake that was punished by a cracking strike. There's nothing more to say for that. And I think the Garner goal as well, I shouted at TV on target because the amount of chances that we just balloon over the ball, I was just pleased to hit it on target and it just shows you what can happen. If you keep the ball down, get your head over the ball and hit it low um, and it goes in. So, yeah, just one of them things, Matt. I'm not overly disappointed. If he's going you know, to smash it in from 20 yards, what can you do?
0: Yeah, you'd have smashed it in from 20 uh, yards uh, in the Welsh uh, league camps, uh, uh, wouldn't you?
2: What well, against those four-foot keepers, mate, yes. But yeah, <laughs> great great strike, great strike. summer so good. summer so, Bree Samba, good position. Nearly got there, didn't he? Nearly got there. But just that little bit too much quality on the strike.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with everything you said. I think my gripe would be that Forrest not 2-0 ahead and then it wouldn't really matter so much because that's where, you know, they should have been 2 ahead by now, uh, by that point, I think. What about um, a man of the match for Forrest then? Who, who would you give it to, Tantz?
2: I thought Joe O'Row was excellent again tonight. Um, he's really demonstrated why he is head and shoulders amongst the defenders at the club because he can defend, but he's also a ball player as well. Um, and if you look across that back four and think, you know, could you get promoted with these guys? What are they lacking? I think the others are all lacking something. So while Figueroa's had a good few weeks, his his passing leaves a uh, you know leaves a lot to be desired, doesn't it? I think there are elements of his defending, and his concentration has, has really, really picked up. So I'm going to give it to Joe Worrell. Honourable mentions to Knockhart and Kravinovic.
0: Mikey?
1: Um, I think I'd go for Knockart just because he's... If you hadn't seen those two teams before, and you just tuned in and you'd watch that match, I think all eyes would be drawn to, to him, and the skill level, and, and his running both ways. His set-piece delivery was fantastic at times. Um and I think he, I think he stood out. Uh, it's just a shame he couldn't, you know, create that one chance that could've nicked it for us. Um so I th- I think I think when it's a draw you always tend to you know, human nature is you go for a solid midfielder or solid defender or whatever, but I think on reflection, I think Knockhart was head and shoulders above pretty much everybody on that pitch, so I'll go for him.
0: Yeah, I'd go yeah, for Knockcart as well. Uh, or um Kravinovich as well probably they both have the same fault especially Kravinovich you probably want to see more of an end product more assists and more goals from him which is probably the reason he's not in the Premier League with West Brom so every player has their faults um, let's finish up by just talking about where this team finishes this season you kind of hinted at it before Temps is this more about you're not worried about relegation now and you, you, you want to see Chris Hute and Bill for next season and with some good ambition to to finally go up next season
2: Exactly. My hunch is we're not going up or down. So use this time wisely to think about how we plan that assault next year. I tell my theories, Matt, I think it was about this time last year that uh, people within Forest started talking about the need to sell Matty Cash, not because they wanted to, but because they had to, to get FFP to a point where they could, where they could trade, where they could have an active transfer window. And you just wonder whether that same conversation is happening now with Joe Worrell, because he's a saleable asset. He's a young um, defender with England ambitions whose absolute dream is to play in the Premier League with Forrest but you get the impression that if he had to do it with somebody else and he was kind of told by the club that this was a call they'd made, he'd have to, he'd have to go for that move. So I trust in Hooton. Um, I think he's going to use his time wisely but I do have this nagging fear that Worrell might have to be um, sacrificed to make FFP room to have a, a particularly active transfer
0: window. Mm. no i agree with what you're saying the only thing i wonder about is how the hell does ffp stand up now when clubs can just turn around and say well actually we've, our biggest source of revenue hasn't been in the ground for a year or well, one of their biggest sources of revenue so you do wonder what happens there but yeah warrell's the last is warrell the last saleable asset i think he is probably isn't he um mikey what happens for the rest of this season and beyond now uh yeah it's a good point actually that so
1: I think, was it about a year ago, we we signed uh, a lot of our younger players up to long-term deals. So I think Wallace signed a four-year contract, yeah Simile, uh, Yacy, I think, signed one as well. So, you know, over the years, uh, Matt, we've always had to sell one player, right, every season at least, be it Brereton, back to Andy Reid, you know, all those. It goes back. Um, so, yeah, that that is a fear, but I guess you have to cut your cloth accordingly and if that's what we have to do, um, I'd like to think that, there is a, a plan in place to uh, strengthen a bit more wisely, perhaps, than we did in the summer. I think that's all I'll say on that. Um, but in terms of this season, Matt, um, I think we're, we are probably the definition of a mid-table side now, really. probably not good enough to challenge for that top six at the moment. Um, and Chris is still finding his... Um, you know, still finding out about a lot of the players, I think. And I think that will come. If you look at what happened at Brighton under his tenure, that happened with them in their second and third seasons. You know, they got, they got that shape and they got the way of playing and they pushed forward. So I think this season we'll probably finish mid-table um, between 10th and 12th, perhaps. Um, and I think it's all about building for next season. If we have if we have to sell one of our saleable assets, be that Brighton or Yacy or Warrow, um, please, please, please just invest a little bit more sensibly and with, uh, you know, let's not overload one position, which I think we did uh, this summer. Let's make sure that people like uh, Gary Brazil, and everybody like that has a say and we do it in a structured way rather than sort of chuckle a load of things at war and see what sticks. So, yeah, mid-table for me this season, Matt, and then push on next
0: Absolutely, I think. Yeah, I feel bad for forgetting about Myson and Johnson as very good young players who, unfortunately, might well be sold in the future. That's another topic for another day. Last question: uh, a one-word answer. One. Who has the better football team, Nottingham Forest or Derby County? Temps. Forest. Mikey.
1: Yeah, Forest. That's two words, but yeah.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah I agree I think they're a much I think they're a better team technically and I'd feel much more I mean obviously you feel better being a Forest fan but you know what I mean I think they've got a better team and better long-term prospects so let's end that on a positive note uh and hopefully reflect on this being a good point in the long term gentlemen thank you very much we shall be back with uh, a full podcast next week probably on Wednesday I hope everyone enjoys their weekend and we shall see you soon Thank you for listening to Garibaldi Red, a Nottingham Forest podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, then please let us know. We love hearing your feedback. We'll be back soon with another episode. Thanks for listening.